Good afternoon, hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, he, him, she, her, them, they, and all the beautiful people in between. You are all so very welcome. And do we have a treat in store for you all this time zone? Well, I don't know, do we? Thank you for lending us your ears. We promise not to abuse them too naughtily. This wonderful listener is Creator Chaos. And despite a court injunction and thanks to a reasonably priced lawyer, I am your host, Kelvin Rodriguez. Now, in a break from our normal routine, it gives me no end of ambivalence to introduce all the way from the arse end of nowhere is a man who puts words in an entertaining order and for some reason has a rat fixation, which I am assured is probably not sexual it can only be Mr. PJM. Peter, welcome. Ah, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. And it's not sexual if it's consensual. True words have never been spoken, sir. Now, come with me now, dear listener, as we catapult ourselves carelessly across the pond to the end of somewhere else to meet our elder statesman, the one, the only. Mr. Wait, Kevin. What? Wait, wait, what? wait. Wait. What? What do you mean, wait? wait. Sorry, you, you, you didn't get the memo then. What? What memo is this? He's fully booked. Peter Hartog's fully. We couldn't get him. What? We couldn't get him. Couldn't get Hartog. I, no. I, I was promised a Hartog. No Hartog. I, I, I was not willing to pay the agent's asking price. Well, bloody hell, we, we. Well, I, dear list, I'm, I'm sorry about that. We don't have a Hartog. My God. Okay. Well, I'm I'm sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen, and them's and days. We'll move swiftly on, and it is with no end of utter disinterest that I introduce our next guest, with the greatest of pleasure. It can only be our founder, our convener, our leader, and I'm reliably informed our fluffy gimp, Mister Zach. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What? What now? You're not going to believe this. Oh, uh, go it, on. He's fully booked as well. You have got to be kidding me. You seriously didn't get the memo. Oh, for God's sake, Pete. What are you doing here? I mean, seriously, what are you doing? I tell you what, do you know what? No, you do it. Sorry, I've had what, enough. me do it? No, you do it. Sorry, I've had it. That's it. Look, All right. Look, look too, I'm not here to look stupid, mate. You do right. it. Oh, no. By all means. It's all yours. <clears throat> on, sorry. But... That's not all. We actually do have someone else, and someone we completely have not stolen from Twitter. She's the author of two best-selling fantasy books, an author of a sublime collection of poetry that would make William Shakespeare cry like a puppy dog. It's the one, the only, Miss Abigail Pearson. Hi, guys. Wait, you got Abigail? Yes. Of course you did. I'm here to save the podcast. Well, Peter, um, um... I'm I'm just going to disappear now to put a hat on, sir, so I can take it off to you. <laughs> you got not not the AR Pearson. Oh yes, the one and only. Well, smack my bottom and call me Susan. Later. 
<laughs> oh, you tease. Who said I'm teasing? <laughs> no, no, you two. Bring the Save all the tape. kink for after the podcast. <laughs> the um, uh, After Hours edition. That sounds like fun. Abby, it's an absolute pleasure, a joy to have you here. Pete, the stage is yours. Because the last stage I was told to go on had a trapdoor with a rope around my neck. Well, we, we, we told you to give the kids a show. That wasn't what we meant. <laughs> I wouldn't mind, but it's my kids that built it. <laughs> and what a good job they did. Well, I do believe the story was that you were denying them pocket money. Oh, do you know what, sir? I've just realised. We don't have any Americans with us this evening. How am I supposed to plead the fifth? <laughs> well, so... Abby, how about you tell us, our, us and our listeners what you've been up to recently? Wow, um, I've been working on my third novel. That's one of my big projects that I've been doing. I've been dabbling in screenwriting, which is really new for me. But Touchwood could have potential, I have been told. I've been working on some new poetry because I use my poetry and I raise money for charity with it. So I've, I've been working on that and keeping myself busy, spending far too much time on Twitter. Don't we all? <laughs> yes, so we're all guilty of that, I think. Why don't you tell us all uh, about the charity that your poetry is raising money for? At the moment, I'm raising money for Cheshire and Warrington Carers Trust because I am a carer. That is my main job. I care for two of my children because obviously, as you know, most people know I'm a single mom. I've got four children and two of them have additional needs so um, I do my writing on the side and obviously one day I hope I can make more with it but for now because I'm a full-time carer it's really important for me to get out and meet other carers so I think it's a really good charity to support uh, absolutely absolutely worthwhile yeah definitely. definitely although speaking of charity Kelvin I think there's a book that's been long recently what launched that is helping a charity that actually features contributions from all the team at Creator Chaos and Miss Pearson. I do believe you might be right. And without the shameless plug that we are just about to shamelessly plug, this would, <laughs> I think, be the VSS365 anthology. Type those words into your Amazon search bar. I, obviously, I wouldn't like to tell you which website on Amazon to go on to, but this is a collection of some of the finest 365 in fact of the finest tweets that have been put together to raise money for the book bus a children's charity dedicated to literacy amongst children that's vss365 on amazon and if you get really, your copy now exactly if you're really 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 lucky then occasionally and with extra money being paid directly to the book bus charity it might be possible to get a signed copy oh it's something to look out for i know this because i have one buy your hard copy send it to me we'll sign it and send it back but you have to pay squintillions to the book bus charity for us to do that a nice bit of money there exactly it's it's a very very worthy cause and all of the contributors have worked hard and i want to pay a special tribute to mark king to voyamoy who have put this together, who have worked tirelessly to make this happen. And there are some great writers that are included in it, including unpublished authors who've... In fact, Elvin, isn't this your first published work? 
do you know what you're right it is but also there's another little published author on there on I believe page 167 if you get the hard copy who has written an outstanding poem oh yes another work worthy of praise yes it is a tremendous piece it's fantastic for one so young so I would advise everybody get your copy of VSS 365 Anthology donate to a good cause and savour some fantastic writing now I'm not just saying this because I was one of the ambassadors who picked some of the pieces there is some fantastic work in there there is writing there's short stories all include in the space of 280 characters that will make you think make you laugh make you cry it is a fantastic collection it's brilliant and I'm very proud to have been a part of it likewise I was so so proud to have been selected yeah it's an honour yes it's wonderful that Brandon and Riz made it in and that Abby that you did too and you look at some of this and you think wow how can you create so much laughter so many different emotions in literally 280 characters including spaces to do that is no mean feat and including the hashtags as well and yes of course the hashtag had to go in there as well it's wonderful and for such a good cause and I think that this deserves to be Amazon's bestseller I believe that as well and I actually hope that we can all work again on more volumes to help generate more money definitely absolutely absolutely for children's literacy yes I mean the book bus does such wonderful work and despite the words of unfortunately here dear listener I do have to say that there were some on Twitter who because VSS365 has its it belongs to Twitter, it's part of Twitter, it's part of the writing community, a very important part. Unfortunately, there were those who called into question the, how can they put this? They doubted that all of the money would go to charity. And it was very sad that they chose to belittle it and say, no, what's going to happen is the organiser is going to make money off of your backs and off of your writing. That's not the case. The organiser of Twitter, of uh, VSS365 and the organiser of the anthology actually contacted the charity and then put the charity's bank details into Amazon so he doesn't even see a penny. It's very noble. Fantastic. Will, and he showed us this. Yeah, and he showed us step by step the proof that he'd done this. And unfortunately, the person that... Uh, decided to deride it and put it down well i'm sorry mate you're wrong the money is going directly to the charity i was one of the ambassadors who had to choose tweets i don't see a penny none of the other ambassadors who chose tweets will see a penny mark and voimite who you know organized it and created it won't see a penny it's all going to the book bus and i'm so proud that that is happening and I'm sure if they're calling it into question, they can contact the charity themselves to double check. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I say that we'd like to love to think that our money is actually helping going and helping making a difference. Yes. To a lot of children out there. Exactly. Yes, it is. I mean, maybe we're not quite in Dolly Parton giving away thousands of books every year, but hey, Dolly, we're coming for you. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Although, from one shameless plug to another, but before that, 
I think it's time for an ad break. So stay tuned. <clears throat> Coming soon to a bookstore near you. This Halloween, get ready, because Harvey Duckman is back with new tales of terror. You will believe a rat can talk. <laughs> a talking rat? Yep, folks. Harvey Duckman is back on October the 31st with Volume 3, with even more new writers in it. First, These are first-time writers, never been published before, getting a shot in Harvey, Harvey Duckman Presents. So if you're looking for short, snappy tales of horror, science fiction, fantasy, steampunk, you know where to look, folks. And I can also bring you news that there's also going to be a special Christmas-themed edition, out presumably near Christmas. Not a Christmas edition. And plans are already underway for volumes four and five. Wow, that's fantastic. And here is the best part. Submissions are open for any writer in any of those genres to come and try and and submit a short story. The people are six... Uh, Element Publishing want the help authors and this is how they've chosen to do it the submission guidelines are on the 6 Element uh, website under Harvey Duckman so if you want to have a go feel free and now back to our regularly scheduled programming oh thank you for that brief intermission Abby I do have a question for you okay okay how would you describe your writing for our listeners who are new to you and have Perhaps only seen snippets of you on Twitter. Sell yourself. Okay, I would say that I'm a I write fantasy fiction. I my stories are based around a central character called Jack, and it's following his journey. And it's and I'm make, oh, making a mess of this, <laughs> selling myself. <laughs> so yes, um, it's following. If if you like a good hero's tale, but not perhaps your classic hero he's got plenty of faults but he's got a good heart and if you're interested in daring rescues brilliant sword fights dragons fairies unicorns bad guys who know how to work their magic that's the kind of book that i write okay which then because you're talking about both fantasy and sword fights i do recall that J.K. Rowling, I think, in a tweet at some point, said how hard it is to kill a character, whereas George R.R. R. Martin, Game of Thrones, just likes to just wipe them out. Where are you between the two? It is really hard to kill the characters, but I will do it if it's going to progress the story. And anyone who's read The Wayfarer's Journeys and listening to this is screaming, going, yes, don't we know it's you evil <laughs> person. So yes, I I will kill characters. You lose yeah, quite no a spoilers. few in the first book. No, I won't give any spoilers. No spoilers whatsoever. But yes, pe- people do die, and some deaths are not very nice. As long as it's not the horse. <laughs> no comment. <Yeah>. Oh. <laughs> as long as you leave the puppies alone. No comment. <laughs> I know your bad guy was evil. I didn't think oh, he was he's that evil. Pretty evil. I think. Okay, now. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Now, thinking, let's go back to the very basic of writing. Because you're a fantasy author. Uh, we have this. You see that advice popping up all the time. Write what you know. Now, I am assuming that you're not really 
hanging out with fairies and dragons and people who are whipping swords around, for, uh, ignoring the obvious innuendo, where do you get your inspiration from? I got my inspiration from obviously reading a lot of fantasy books when I was younger. The first one that I ever read was The Magic Engineer by Ellie Modisette Jr. And I always knew from when I was a little girl, I wanted to write books. I just thought it was really cool. And I had such a big imagination that I had an imaginary friend. And my imaginary friend was actually Jack, who's the MC in my stories. So it was kind of like I did get to hang around with somebody who wields uh, swords. And I did get to go off to imaginary lands because I spent so much time living in my head. I, w I was away mm. uh, doing these things in these other worlds. Uh, so when I was 19, uh, which is when I started to write The Wayfarer's Journey Down, and I started that because I got really ill. I, um, I was losing my kidney, but we didn't realize at the time. So I had three years of my life where I was really poorly in and out of hospital. So it was a perfect time for me to, to sit down and write Jack's story because I felt like it was a really good world and it was good fun. And I really wanted to, to put that down on paper and also to leave it behind should anything ever happen to me. Okay, um, so carrying on from that, I mean, I've let me tell you a short story here. I was part of a writer's forum uh, where writers would write in and say, um, how would you deal with this? How would you deal with that? And somebody asked, would a dog react to someone who was a werewolf in human form? Of course, great question for fantasy. And so I said, well, if you take the film Wolf with Jack Nicholson, then the horse reacts to him in human form. So yes, they probably wouldn't. Somebody had a go at me for, <laughs> this is absolutely true. It was actually the person who ran the forum had a go at me saying, no, we should only use our real life experiences. Unfortunately, my real life experiences of werewolves <laughs> are not that great. So that was why I would like to know uh, why I was asking you, where does your uh, these ideas come from and your inspirations? Where do you take inspiration from? Films, a lot of films, uh, stealing other people's ideas, I guess you'd call that. Watching mm -hmm. lots of 80s films, things like The Princess Bride, Krull, Legends. Obviously, yeah. the names Jack and Lily, who's my princess, that came from Legends because the main guy was called Jack and the princess Lily, and I really loved that. So that's kind of where the names yeah. came from. Books, some of it does relate probably to my personal life, and I've just tweaked it around and obviously turned it into a more fantasy setting. My bad guy, well, yes, he's probably pretty much every ex-boyfriend I've ever had, but <laughs> a tiny bit more evil maybe, or maybe not. It depends on your point of view so, <laughs> yeah. and in the second book certainly my my sequel the child of light uh, jack goes through a particularly dark patch and he struggles with his mental health and that is something that is very much taken from my personal life because i also struggled with my mental health and i wanted to get that down in my story it might not be particularly a, a fantasy style uh, thing mm. to write but it was important to me to include it so so i did a bit of juggling and i put that in as well Okay, now here's a question that is for both Abby and for PJM. Because you both create fantasy worlds. However, do you hold to some kind of unbreakable truths? Such as, if you'd include a vampire, sunlight's out of the question. Or do you think, nope, this is a whole new world. I create what I want, I do what I want. There are no laws. 
Let's start with PJM. I'm definitely the latter there. I mean, yeah, my lot my stories are based in folklore. I'll try and keep some details of that, but ultimately, if something works better in the value of the story, I'll go that route. Mm-hmm. So, so let's say that's... that Brennan and Riz come up against uh, a werewolf. Do you hold to the canon of it's got to be silver bullets? I probably wouldn't because it would be more of a thing that Brennan would probably say, oh, well, we got a silver bullets, and then Riz would probably just sit, turn around and say, uh, what the hell do you think you're doing? That's just the movies, yeah, prick. Yeah, exactly. And then just Come on. Uh, try and handle it his way. Um, so again, you know, with vampires, sunlight or garlic or things like that. And what about you, Abby? Um, do you hold to any kind of the traditional ideas or is it, this is my world, I make it up, I do what I want? I do like to think that I just, I do what I want, I suppose, um, in terms of my writing I don't break too many of the rules but mm. it is very much as I want it so if if I want my dragon to breathe fire it'll breathe fire if I don't it doesn't uh, the how they talk there's there's different ways to talk some of the characters can talk with voices some don't some use their mind I change some of the words like traditionally um magus tend to be male wizards but I mine aren't mine are a group of female but I like the word magus so I stole it I'm a rebel. Okay. It works. <laughs> Pete, do you have any questions for Abby? Well, first off, it's actually more just what in my head. Given the legend connection with the main characters, Jack and Lily, does that mean Adrian is in your head is played by a young Tim Curry? Oh, uh, maybe a little bit. I could, I could definitely see a bit of darkness in Aiden. But no, I think Aiden's come from a, a darker place inside me. I think he's been formed more by what my mind sees rather than what I've watched uh, on a film or, or read in a book. Actually, it also meant, like, even when you're reading it, obviously, some, I don't know how... Like, when I read, I, like, visualise the characters in my head, and sometimes I do, if I think there was a look like so-and-so after, that's the kind of image I had in my head. That's something I actually really struggle with with mine, because a lot of people say to me, well, if you turned your books into a film, who played Jack? I'd be like, I have no idea. The closest we've got so far is is someone like Henry Cavill. He could play Jack, but I I can't really I I can visualise them perfectly. Obviously, I can see them all the time, but when it comes to actually relating them to somebody somebody else knows, then I I struggle more with that. I would be dreadful if I ever did get them turned into films for the <laughs> casting. I'd be fired so fast. Sure, I- I think we, a lot of us uh, suffer from that. I do. I, I. Apart from Kelvin here, who I do believe has people in mind for the eventual film adaption of Haskins and the Commander. Unfortunately, I I always knew who I wanted to play. Uh, who would is my visualization of Emma Haskins, and it was um, Imogen Poots, and for ages I was struggling with. Who's the commander? Who's the commander? Because while I've seen Jim Broadbent can play the character, he's a little too tall. And then somebody else said um, that they pictured, and it was it was wonderful. Um, it was one of those. It, you know, my my favourite moment is when people don't realise that Haskins is female. Somebody said, "I picture Haskins with an English accent." probably played by Bob Hoskins 
and it was just <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought Bob Hoskins in Roger Rabbit that's the commander that kind of character could that that, put yeah. upon that would him unfortunately um, God rest his soul and Bob Hoskins is no longer with us but that uh, he would have been perfect uh, playing that put upon role would have been wonderful so now you know what Haskins and the commander both look like and that's how I all see him now yeah he, it should look like Bob Hoskins not quite the Mario Bros moustache but getting there <laughs> and with more grey a less fake Italian accent oh god yes oh god I mean look every great actor is allowed his turkey who are you going to have doing and, Brennan um, <sighs> Peter <sighs> see if I always thought maybe Ewan McGregor if he'd been younger could have pulled off Ewan Brennan Ewan McGregor will always be young he can pull off anything at any time <laughs> <laughs> control yourself Oh, that was a slight shout out for you and McGregor, wasn't it? Yes, I am a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who I always, when I've read snippets of Brennan and Ritz, who I picture him as? Who? And now his name escapes me because <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> oh God, what's his name? Um, out of um, Fantastic Beasts. Oh, um, Eddie Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, is it Eddie Redmayne? He plays Newt. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, Newt Scamander. Oh. Yeah, because that kind of put upon slightly innocent kind of what the hell is happening kind of, oh, I'm trying to catch up and I'm trying to... He, I think he does that really well and I can really see him as Brennan. That would work, actually, yeah. I mean, for Riz, it would obviously be... And he needed someone with the kind of voice I work for Riz. I mean, my go-to person would say, oh, well, like Bradley Cooper for his role as Rocket Raccoon in the Guardian films. Mm. But there's... It is other people that I would consider for it, like just for the the voice they add. Tom Hardy being the crazy legend, that voice, that menace, sort of, yeah, that menace and slight cockney accent. <laughs> I mean, if I was going for Mark, I'd say, oh, I'd just get Vinnie Jones to do it. Yes, yeah, because you, you want a kind of a hard accent. Who's yeah, the guy, the, the kind of voice where he's seen it before, he knows what to do, and he can't be bothered with most of it. But then. Having said that, I mean, how it's it's a weird one. Uh, how far do we stray, or do you stray rather, from how well does this voice fit this rat? I mean, you can think, because you're not going to go, Oi, mate, are you? With that really <laughs> silly voice, really high. That probably wouldn't work for what you're looking for. Yeah. But at the same time, would it fit a rat if you go, Yeah, mate. <laughs> I don't think you want to do that, sunshine. <laughs> you know, you you need to kind of strike a balance between... Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. It's just says it's finding that balance. Yeah. I mean, I, once I hear him, I'll probably hear the person and be like, yeah, that's him. And to any person listening to our podcast, I am available for voice work. <laughs> <laughs> At a reasonable rate, yes. That's stupidly reasonable, race. I'm not proud. He'll pay you. Well, to be fair, the, the viewers, the listeners of this podcast have heard us both singing. Oh, God, yes. And um, I, I have done some very, very questionable accents in my time. Well, that's what the court joking was about, if I recall. Yes, um, it, it turns out that 
the only people that I'm allowed to impersonate, um, not nothing to do with work, you understand, um, without <laughs> being called uh, racist or xenophobic, are other British people. So the French, the Spanish, the Germans, the Italians are all safe. Amazingly, they actually agreed in something. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if I'm going to talk like this for the rest of the way through the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, calm down. Hey, hey, calm down. They do, don't they, Um, For listeners who have no idea what I just did, uh, that's supposed to be Scouse. To everyone from Liverpool who just heard that, you have my <laughs> profound apologies. <laughs> now, I do have questions for you, because I do understand that at least one of you has taken part in NaNoWriMo. Uh, National Novel Writing Month. Okay, so... Yes. Pete, for our Virgin listeners, why don't you give us a little insight into exactly what that is? Well, NaNoWriMo is held from the 1st of November to the 30th. And the goal is simple. Write 50,000 words. You don't have to complete a book. And, in fact, you could actually add on to something you're already doing. As long as you write 50,000 words in that time frame, it's done. And if I remember correctly... Comes out writing one thousand six hundred words per day. Because I believe that um, uh, our good friend Kelvin here actually managed to do it in record time last year. <laughs> um, it might have taken me seventeen days. Yeah. Wow. However, um, what I was doing was I was uh, getting up early, going to and arriving at work roughly two hours before I was due to start work, and then typing like a madman and then staying a bit late at work and then coming home bringing takeaway home and then writing some more writing and writing and writing in the evening i was writing by hand and then in the morning typing it up and editing as i went so typing and editing typing and editing and yeah i think i did just over fifty-two thousand words in yeah, 17 days so three thousand odd words a day that's pretty amazing. It's doable. It can be done. No matter done. how you slice it, that is impressive. It can be done. I'm still... Ed- Unfortunately, I have... How can I put this? Because of current personal situations, which maybe some of our listeners are not aware, but our contributors are, I have been very, very caught up, and I now do realise it's now a year since I wrote that thing, and I still haven't finished editing it, and that's awful but for everybody considering NaNoWriMo absolutely go for it okay now I'm going to try and find where I put all the other questions now these questions come from somebody who is considering NaNoWriMo and this is from at Jana Lynn Jenkins and um, Abby, have you had a go at NaNoWriMo? I haven't, because um, I came onto Twitter last year in sort of August, so when it came around, I didn't really know anything about it, and mm. I was so busy launching the Wayfarer's Journey, I didn't really have time. But I'm quite keen, not not committing myself just yet, but I might give it a go this time. Well, then... Well, this will be, this will be my third year. Show off. <laughs> then, Mr. PJM, you are... You are our scribe for this, and therefore, sir, you are the filter of questions. 
Okay. Question one from Jamaline Jenkins is one. How should I write for NaNoWriMo? Microsoft Word, Google Docs, or do you have to have some kind of special software? You can write with what on whatever program you feel comfortable on. You don't have to have any special software. If you're really determined, you could write it by hand, but then you'd be left counting each word in by hand. So using a computer program like Word or Google Docs is perfectly fine. There's no certain one you have to use. Perfect, thank you. Question two. Do you only turn in a daily word count or do you, do you have to have outlines, etc., plots and all that sort of backup stuff and upload them? All you got to turn in is how many words you're at and you can do it any amount of times a day you want to do it. So if you do a short writing session, put 100, you can slap that in there and keep going every 10 minutes if you really want. Or you can wait till just before your clock goes to midnight, put in your day's work count and then be done with it for the next till the next day. So you're saying we could just, I mean, I've done this, but uh, for the benefit of our listeners. So what you could do is you type out everything for that day, copy and copy the whole lot and paste it in for a daily word count, or you can copy and paste as you go. Yeah. In fact, you don't need to copy and paste. If you just go, like, if you're using Microsoft Word, mm. You just go to your word count and then you just put that number in the screen. So you don't actually have to upload your writing into the website. The only time you have to do that is in the final day mm -hmm. when you want to confirm because they need to run it through their word check just to make sure nothing dodgy has been going on. Right. But that's all it is. And it gets destroyed afterwards, so which they don't keep anything which brings us very handily onto the third question because obviously there would be some people who are worried about copyright theft what do they do with your work at the end since essentially you've given them an entire book they don't do anything with it that book is yours and it's as simple as that you put the book into the final work out they give you it and then that's it that's all they do with it they don't store it they don't keep nope. it it's it's not a rip-off where there's some dastardly publishers who are going to hand it off to some ghost writers to beat you to the punch. No. Well, thank you very much. If, uh, dear listener, you do have any questions about NaNoWriMo, both uh, PJM and myself have completed NaNoWriMo and we would be happy to answer any questions you have. Of course, by the time you listen to this, you're going to be about halfway through the month and you really need to get your skates on. Yeah, so the question will be then is, why are you listening to this when you should be working? The best question that could possibly be asked. Um, so let's get back to some writing. Abby. Hello. What, you got, what have you got ne next happening for Jack? At the moment, I'm working on a prequel. So we've gone back slightly in time for something that he discusses in the Wayfarer's journey about his past life because he used to be a soldier in his old town of uh, his old city sorry of Sanalo so the prequel I'm writing is covering that time period and a war that he had to fight in at that time mm -hmm. um, any plans from Jack to ever meet uh, Riz and give him a big kick in the necklace I think it'd be great fun <laughs> if Jack and Riz met up <laughs> Poor Brennan. Poor Brennan, that's how I'll say it for that. I, because I know that one of our dearly missed Americans 
has talked about how much fun it might be for Riz and Haskins to ever meet or ever be in the same room. Uh, what? And what about yourself, uh, Pete? Where are Brennan and Riz going? Well, without giving too much away, Harvey Duckman. Hopefully, within the next week, the prequel novel "A Boy and a Rat" will be finished. Then, my slate is clear for Nanorimo, in which I'll be doing Valerie's novel, uh-huh. which will please one of our co-hosts who can't be here today. One of our American cousins, who is her biggest fan. Mm. In this work, will is it going to take the form of three novellas put into one novel, and we'll give more information about her and who she is, why she does what she does, yeah, and just things like that. Obviously, I have no idea when any of these will hit the shelves. A Boy and a Rat is probably going to be out next year now. I see. And no idea about Valerie. Yes, because I, I think we probably... Do you remember when we had the... We did the All About Me, when it was my turn. Oh, yes. And one of the questions I was asked was, did I ever consider giving Haskins a... Emma Haskins, a hot girlfriend, just <laughs> to see the commanders. You know, just see how the command because he's very staid and very straight laced and very old fashioned. Um, just to see what he would do, and I was very, very tempted just to say, um, you know, hey, let's do a Valerie Haskins sapphic crossover. Mainly because Hartog's head would have exploded. His family would come after us and sue us. <laughs> <laughs> but on purpose of releasing a book, we knew we'd get his blood pumping. Yes. He's going to need to breathe into a bag. A lot. <laughs> the bag will yeah, burst. Yeah, we're going to have to stock him up on brown bags. <laughs> Which bag? Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> well, he's already fallen out with okay, me because I've read the boy, A Boy and a Rat, haven't I? So... I know more than he does. Ah, yes. To, to listeners, Abby is actually my beta reader for Boy and a Rat. And she's been there every step of the journey with me. And she's patiently waiting for the conclusion. Not so patiently. And has been giving me lots of... Has <laughs> <laughs> been giving me lots of helpful feedback oh, that's to help good. make the book better. And lots of threats of duct well, tape. If you don't hurry up. Yes. Well, now, you see, um, guys, what I'm doing is... Don't, you can both see my hands. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> While we're talking, I'm just looking over at my film collection, which is stupidly large and unfortunately neglected at this point. Um, so I would like to know to what extent, because I am a massive, massive film fan. I have a stupidly large collection. It would take me far too long to actually get through everything but my question is this for both of you to what extent do you think film <clears throat> excuse me film and popular culture influence your writing could you say i take a lot from this film i know you uh, abby you, you already mentioned uh, princess bride i did yes i loved the princess bride it's such a it's great brilliant. film but do you borrow elements from other movies I do. I think uh, probably more 
then I I realise when I read back through my writing, I'm like, oh, that that line, uh, I know where that came from. I've stolen that from this film. Mm. Or, oh, that character's acting like this because of somebody out of another film. Obviously, I'm not going to say who because, you know, yeah. I've done for copyright, but... But yes, definitely. <laughs> no, 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 no spoilers. Yes, no, no, spoilers. and I've got to be so careful because you guys haven't read my book, so I can't say anything. Peter's like eleven months in, yes. and he's—I don't even know how far he's got with it yet. So, I—I once—I uh, tried to write se- a, a serious um, book, and I—I do, I, do not. I can cringe and oh, bite my wrist for what I wrote. <laughs> I, I borrowed a line from the film Shawshank Redemption of. Um, I wish I could say that was true, but life is no. <laughs> and I pretty much ripped it off verbatim. And you just think, wow, I mean, yes, but it's such a great movie, but should not have nicked that. So it's it's kind of interesting because, of course, as writers, the advice is read, read, read. But of course, watch, watch, watch. Do we not agree? Definitely. Yeah. People can take the inspiration from anywhere and we shouldn't look down on them for it. Mm. Yeah. You don't have to be well read to write. But it helps. It gives. It does give you the tools. Uh, yeah, I agree well, with not that, but my main thing is read. more imagination. Mm. No, absolutely. We should read because it, it, it shows us our craft and equally bad writing can teach us just as much as good writing. Hello, E.O. James. Yes, we're talking about you. <laughs> But bad writing can teach us what to avoid as much as good writing can show us that's what we do. And then the same with films. It's You can watch a film and think, that was great, that was brilliant. And you can think, this is how I can... Again, this is how I can structure the way I'm going to work and the way my book is going to work. And the same with bad. You can look at a bad film and think, Jesus, somebody wrote that? I mean... With films, I've always put them in the categories of like films I love, films that are guilty pleasures, mm. and then the films that the worst because they do the most cardinal sin, and they bore me. Even a bad film, if it entertains, it's done its job. Mm-hmm. Where do you stand on that? There are some types of films which are would be bad films, but then there's something about that film maybe one actor or one moment which elevates it out of just awfulness or even mediocrity and you think that would have been absolutely awful but for you um and yes alan rickman prince of thieves i'm talking about you i love that film did i say that out loud sorry (laughs) (laughs) shut up up, abby you're slating all your favorite films here alan rickman is the way he plays that role he was amazing. It's, it couldn't have been anyone else but him. It's a masterclass in stealing a film. Because without him, without him, that film is so god-awful. But he makes it. And he elevates it out of the dross that it is. I mean, there's obviously a film that's well-known in there that it's only got popular because of how bad it is. Hmm. And that's The Room. Yes, and that film was so bad they made a film about making that film. Yeah, The Disaster Artist. Yes. <laughs> but then you you get these films where... Um, and this is the thing. Remember I mentioned earlier about The Werewolf? 
and I, I mentioned a movie and somebody said, no, you shouldn't be using Hollywood rubbish. You should be talking about real life experience because of course, werewolf. And so I, I referenced the film, The Wolf, but good films, bad films were all actually written because they've got screenplays. They all come from writing, even as bad as they are. So now I'd like to put you both on the spot. Okay. I would like our listeners to take a moment to think about this as well. And in the comments, in the replies, we would love to hear you tell us your answer to this question. Your own personal opinion, please, ladies and gentlemen. The worst movie ever made. Oh. Um... Oh. What, for you, is just an abortion smeared onto film? <laughs> Now that is a tough question. <laughs> that really is. I'm, I'm just trying to think. It's like saying, what's the worst book ever written? And yes, you can answer that one, dear listener, as well. <laughs> See, I, honestly, I honestly can't think right now. One will pop into my head the minute we finish recording. But of course. See, I, I, can, I can think of some. One is, I don't know how many people have actually even heard of it, but um, the very first movie adaption of The Giver... Oh. It released Loki. Mark Hamill was in it, which when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, he's in it. You know, this should be entertaining. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, he gets turned to a cockroach and dies. <laughs> <laughs> and the acting, it got awful. The only decent thing about it is the effects. Mm. And the fact that it um, must have made some money to get a sequel greenlit, which was actually way better. Um, you... And the other one mm-hmm. is a George Clooney flick. I'm trying to remember to get the name right. Solaris? Oh, yes. Solaris. Yeah. Oh, yes, I think I've seen that, that was one. Yeah. Not, that's not the... My word, I fell asleep. And there's only one, been a, one other film that did that to me, and that was Transformers Dark of the Moon. Oh. I've not seen that one. Um, I have to admit that I fell asleep watching Star Wars Phantom Menace in the cinema. <laughs> you really didn't like and it. <laughs> I was on a date as well. Oh... Now, the only way and that would be more funny is if you yeah. told me I was snoring. Oh dear, no. And it would be funny if you said that she was asleep as well. <laughs> but I do have my opinion, and this is the hill that I will stand on. Do you remember PJ uh, PH's rant on Star Wars? Yes. This is. I the think hill everyone has. I will. <laughs> I will die on this hill. The worst movie ever made is the film adaptation of the game Street Fighter not seen it it was so um, if I include the words and it's just four words the first one is starring the next three are Jean-Claude oh no hang on that's four yeah Jean-Claude Van Damme so five words starring Jean-Claude Van Damme that tells you all you need to know Kylie Minogue was in it it is honestly the I resented the time I spent watching that and to make it even worse and what really really upset and pissed me off about that film was shortly afterwards Raul Julia who's a fantastic actor and who played God knows what name the bad guy is in that I can't oh it's M. Bison Bison he died shortly after of a heart attack he checked out on that film 
Gomez Adams checked out on that. Kylie Minogue's acting is so wooden, you think that when she first appears, somebody's thrown a chair into the room. Well, if I remember correctly, she didn't do anything much after that, apart from like one Doctor Who episode. Yeah. Trust me, it is the worst thing I have ever, ever seen. That is the hill that I will stand on. Worst movie ever made. See, for me, that is just a guilty pleasure. It's not, I'm never going to say, oh, well, this movie's awesome. Because um, it's not. It bears very little resemblance to what it's actually based on, other than using the names. Mm. I mean, it, it was Americanized by the fact that they took one of the side characters and said, oh, well, he's an American. He's the main character now. Mm. Abby, um, any films that you watched and wished you never did? I do remember watching, it was supposed to be a horror movie, and I think it was entitled The Doll. Or, and it was the bad guy and it was it was called crinoline head and it was yeah it was <laughs> shocking but the funniest thing was me and my eldest daughter we watched it and obviously we were just laughing our heads off because it was the worst acting i've ever seen in my life the the bad guy started out as a like a white child and then he grew up into a very big black man it was like amazing as you do oh, yes it, it was really really bad but one night we thought for a laugh we'd put it on and my friend came around called Paul and he's jumpy at everything. So we were like, we've got this fantastic horror for you to watch. Oh, it's fabulous. <laughs> oh, get ready. It's really scary. He jumped like a little girl through the entire thing and we were just dying. I threw slippers at him and he was leaping. Oh, I was just like, are you serious? I was like, this is like the worst thing you could ever possibly watch. Oh, it's a good thing you never put on like paranormal activity. Oh, the paranormal activity was way better than this, <laughs> believe me. Honestly, I'd like to say, I think you're crinoline head. It was like, oh my goodness. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was really, really <laughs> funny. I was just so annoyed I'd paid a fiver for it in Asda. I was like, oh dear. Oh. Okay. There's been a lot of movies like that. Because look at the Sharknado series. But that's kind of, they're taking the piss out of themselves. You know, they're. Uh, being ironic that it's, this is so bad it's good uh, you know I'm talking about so bad it can't even be that bad it's good it's worse than that it's part of the whole uh, generation of films like it mm. like the one with the Nazis on the moon <laughs> I'm sure. and then the sequel is just to that is insane I'm sure that was a Sunday least. sport headline <laughs> <laughs> anyway let's get us back to writing because well, I think creative chaos should probably be about writing so a final question and this obviously goes out to everyone the one genre you can't write you wish you could Ooh. I'd probably say it's like historical fiction or crime mm. because I I have to add something in that's not normal mm-hmm. like realism just goes out the window and yeah because, and there's oh. the things that apparently sell at the moment, but well, because of course PH writes his holiday series, which is both crime and kind of fantasy, and he's not here, so we can yeah. take the piss out of him all we want. <laughs> <laughs> and for yourself, uh, Abby, I think I'd probably have to say doing sort of erotica, just because. Mm. Inside my mind is is one thing, but putting it on paper is something entirely different. Might be best to leave it at that. But yeah, I think I, I might struggle to do that. 
Yeah, it's um. I'm, I'm pretty that... sure you could do better than Fifty Shades. So. <laughs> it's I'm going to get shot for this, but <laughs> yeah. I, there was some really good elements in Fifty Shades in the books. There was a lot of repetition that that was annoying, but I did actually really quite enjoy the the backstory and the love story element of it. Mm. It's it's one of those things. Um, you know, I suppose with the erotica that it's that fine line between I'm writing erotica and I'm writing filler pages in a porn mag. Not that I've ever read a porn mag or know anything like what they might no. ever sound like or read like. <laughs> but it's that what you do. Where's the, where's the line between this is erotica and this is porn? I don't know about you guys. And it's one of these things that I, I think I once tried many years ago and was utterly awful at and have just never even touched again. And this is why my 12-year-old daughter pisses me off. Um, I just can't do poetry. I struggle with poetry as well. I just had the thing for just getting the words in the right place. Yeah, I just... I, my when If I do poetry, I'm going to rhyme every line or every other line. And... To see poetry done well, you think, my God. And um, yes, Ricky Johnson, we're looking at you for great poetry. And Sherry Batiste, yeah, we're looking at you again for great poetry. But I can't do it. And what's her name? Evita Grazia. Again, these people that can do... I can't do a haiku. How the hell are you doing that? And look how many syllables that you do and... What the hell, people? Please, give us give the give us mortals a break, you know. <laughs> that for me, that's my I can't do. Well, anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, do we have any questions for each other? Just going to say, oh, sorry, go on. Well, my, well, I was going to say, uh, say, Abby, what was the hardest thing for you to actually write during uh, the first two Jack stories? Mm, the hardest parts, probably were the death scenes to some aspects just because I was so emotionally involved so it was really quite difficult to get it on paper. Yeah. And for you, Pete, can I ask a question you've got, you've got a field and answer, so hardest thing you had to write? I, the hardest part for me is then, I always seem to struggle like with the, uh, first thing, like the downtime scenes. It's like, okay, these events happened. How do I follow it? Because hmm. I'm always... Afraid that I'm gonna be too blunt with my me- uh, what I'm trying to say, and that people will just like basically just switch off. They're like, oh well, this has happened. That's good. Uh, now it's got got boring. <laughs> You're not gonna ask me to answer that, are you? Yeah. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> In the full length uh, work in progress, it is actually the jokes. Really. It's yeah. It's the. Not so, writing's not that bad, but it's the the self doubt that comes with it. It's the, is that funny? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, you know, is would be an issue because is that crossing a line? Can I get away with that? Not so much is that politically correct, because yeah, I don't think I really really hope. No, I know that there's nothing in there that which strays into racism or sexism, anything like that. But there are a couple of jokes you're just thinking, is that offensive? Have I just crossed the line there? That's the hardest part, is that doubt over the jokes. I mean, it all depends on who you think it was being offensive to. Oh, everybody. 
I'd I'd like to believe I'm an equal opportunities offender. Best way to do it. Yeah, I'll just piss you off. Doesn't matter what your um, race, religion, sexuality, or gender is. I aim to piss you all off. And anyway, on that rather disturbing note, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, them's, they's, this and thus, thank you so very much for listening in. We have been Creator Chaos. Peter James Martin has been. Me. He has indeed. <laughs> Abby has been. Me. She has been so very wonderfully, and thank you for being so very wonderfully you and being such a lovely guest. It's been an absolute joy to have you here. Thank you for having me. You are so very welcome. You're welcome anytime. I have been a very poor, poor approximation of me, and I will attempt to do so again. Thank you very much, and good night. Good night. Good night, everyone. Creator Chaos is held under a Creative Commons license, meaning if you wish to use or share any of what you've heard, all you have to do is give recognition to us, the creators.